Well, I am a reader. I love to read partly because I really like stories. I love reading stories. In a given year, I try to, I try to read maybe 80 to 100 books, somewhere in there. And I'm not bragging, it's just that I, I like stories. I feel like part of, part of my role here is to have new ideas, things that I've read, stories that I've read that may apply to things going on in our lives, and I think it's important. So about 80 to 100 books I try to read, and, um, and it's definitely books. I find that, and this is an issue I'm working on, I, I want to speed everything up. And when I'm trying to listen to an audiobook, and some of those audiobooks can be like 50 hours, that's a big commitment of my time. You know, it's precious time for me. I find myself listening at one and a half speed. Or with podcasts, I'm doing the same thing. Uh, anybody else kind of speed stuff up? I, I, I think you're, is it like there's, your brain can, can run faster maybe than what, what someone could say? And maybe that's some of our problem in, when we're having conversations where we're always trying to finish each other's sentences. That's not a good thing either. I know that I have issues. But I, I love to read. Uh, I love to have these the, the stories. I love fiction, nonfiction. And, um, and you know, I, I love stories that, yeah, whether they're true or not true, I just love a great story. Here's what I don't love, though. And this happened to me twice this week. I was watching a TV series for a while, and it was like season five, and last episode, it's bad, it's like lame ending. And then I was reading a fiction book, number one on the New York Times bestseller. And I got to the end, I won't tell you what it is. I get to the end of it, and the ending was lame. And you know what? <clears throat> I feel a little bit like, I don't know, is Jip the right word? Or I feel like I, I had my time stolen from me. I'll never get my time back. <clears throat> Anybody with me on that? Have you experienced this problem? You know, maybe, again, maybe you're not a book reader. Who, uh, I'll ask in a minute, but maybe you're not a book reader. You're an audio book person. Maybe you've got Audible on your phone or device or whatever. And, and yeah, you get to the end. You've put all this time into, you're invested in the story and in the characters. And then you get to the end and you're like, lame. <laughs> Hate that. Or, or yeah, maybe, maybe you're more of a, a TV series person. We have so many streaming services now. How many don't even know how many you subscribe to right now? Anybody with me? Okay, the rest of you are lying. There's too many out there. And um, yeah, you start watching these shows and they have you know, five, six you know, seasons of it, which normally back in the day on actual television, some of you young people, we used to have to wait for the next episode. You know, the next, now it's all just queued up for you right away. You can fall asleep and they're still going. You know what I mean? But you get to the end of some of these and you just feel like, what a waste of my time. Who was the writer on this? Drives me crazy. Because I think endings matter. Who, who's with me? Endings matter on these things. You know, this great story and then at the end, it's just like, ah, oh, frustrating. But I have this problem and I'm working on it. I'm working on it. But when I start a series or a book, I must finish. Anybody else have the same problem? Anybody? You'll admit it? Start a support group later? 
I have some friends of mine, maybe one of them in this room, that's trying to help me break that habit. In fact, uh, I won't say who he is. He's one of our elders. But he told me, <laughs> you're like, which one? He told me, Ben, try reading the first 50 pages. And if it doesn't get you going, then, like, give it back to the library. You know? Um, anybody use the library in here? Okay, a few of us. All right. Yeah, I usually try to do the library. How many people feel like you, if, who's, who's the book readers in here? Who likes to read an actual book? Okay. Who are the people that like to listen to audiobooks? Okay, I mean, you can be the same people. Uh, who, who likes, you don't like any of that stuff. You, wanna, you want the TV. You want the TV series. You want it Netflix. You want whatever the millions of ways we can stream. Yeah, so we, we all, it just tells me that we all like stories. We love stories. We like a, a, a well-crafted ending, don't we? And, uh, and maybe we can all together commit to as a group if it, it, we don't have to finish it. Maybe we could just commit to, we don't have to, you know, think of the hours, you know, we could be spending doing anything else but that. Got to finish, uh, even if it's a letdown. Uh, who, let me ask you another question. Who's fiction? You love fiction, right? So you like the made-up stories, yeah? I do too. How many people, you, you love like the, the, the true stories, true stories, okay? Who, who likes both? I'm, I'm in the both category. I like that kind of stuff, too. Uh, yeah, um, stories. We, we like stories. Well, today, we are going to be talking about a version of the story that happened as we get into the last bit of Matthew 28. And today's really important because we have to decide, you have to decide, I have to decide what sort of story we're going to live with. What sort of story is going to inspire us to get up tomorrow? We're going to look at story today, and, uh, and I'm Pastor Ben. I'm glad you're here with us, by the way. If this is your first Sunday, hello, welcome. We're glad you're here, glad you made it, made it a point. You, you made it a point to be here together. Uh, and if you're online, we see you as well. Uh, it's important for us to gather like this, like Christ followers all over the globe, one big dysfunctional family of faith. But we meet because Jesus of Nazareth of Galilee was not in that tomb on that Sunday morning so many years ago. Changed human history and the universe, in my opinion, forever. That's why we gathered like this. So again, if this is your first Sunday, welcome. We're glad you're here with us. We're going to be in a Matthew series. So if you have a Bible or device, find Matthew chapter 28. We're just going to read a few verses in there. But, but again, we're talking about story and really two different stories. And we're going to talk about what story really is one to base our lives on. That's where we're going to be today. And, um, you know, the resurrection, we talked about that last week. The scriptures tell us that on that Sunday morning, the tomb was empty. And the angel said three words. Remember it? Wait. Four words. <laughs> he is not here. Right? That's why we're in this room. That's why we do all this Christmas stuff. If the resurrection didn't happen, we're all a bunch of fools sitting here. But the resurrection did happen, and it changed human history. That's why we're here. So would you pray with me as we get going this morning? Father, you're good and powerful. You're mighty. This is your kingdom. And Lord, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as in heaven. Help us to be part of your realm, your kingdom, the things you're doing. Father, I pray that you'd speak by the power of your Holy Spirit on this idea of story. In fact, Father, you've given us 
the greatest story. So Lord, I pray that you'd help us all in this room to be courageous to live by that story and that story alone. Father, help us to be your hands and feet in the world as we see Christmas approaching and people maybe, maybe being more willing to talk about spiritual things. Help us to share good news about what you've done in our lives. And Lord, we lean into your word. Speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. If you can stand with me, let's do, uh, do something. Stand together as we read God's word. I'm reading from the, the English Standard Version. Your version might be slightly different. But uh, let's start with verse 11 of Matthew 28. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests, and all, uh, t- told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a, sum, a, su- a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people his disciples came by night, stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's sit down. Okay, so if, you're, if this is your first Sunday in a while or whatever with this, you might feel like you're coming into the middle of a story here. Well, kind of you are today, because what happened 10 verses before this is the life-altering, game-changing rising of Jesus Christ of Nazareth from the dead. And because how crazy that was, those who witnessed it, even the soldiers, they're trying to wrestle with it. They're trying to figure this thing out. They saw something they couldn't put into a good category. All those things that we think about life, we know how things work around here. Well, things were altered in a heartbeat. And all the witnesses were trying to figure out what to do with this, including this group of guards or soldiers who were there really since since the crucifixion. Remember that? On Friday, the Jewish leaders were worried because they'd heard rumors that this, this, this Jesus was going to rise from the dead. So they talked to Pilate on Friday, this a few days ago before this happened. Hey, make sure, let's post a guard. And Pilate let them and make sure there's a guard there so that the disciples can't, you know, steal the body away and say, oh, he rose from the dead, just like he said. So that was all kind of provision. And then silence of Saturday. And then Sunday, early in the morning, everything changed. Right? Everything in the world changed. So that's what just happened. And now we pick up the story where they're trying to wrestle with what's going on. So the ladies that were there, they, they were the first witnesses, uh, the early disciples that were female, and they, they ran. Uh, they're freaking out. You know, uh, they went with an agenda. You know, they're going to put flowers, well, spices at the graveside, and everything's altered. There's, the stone's rolled away. They're like, okay, that's cool. Then the angel said, hey, look in. He's not here. Right? The stone was rolled away for the women to know He's out of here. Death can't hold him. They're just freaking out. So then the, the disciples, you know, the, the angels say, hey, go into Galilee. He's going to meet everybody there. We're going to do a meet up there. Maybe have some lunch at Chick-fil-A. That's what we're going to do in Galilee. Not, on not really, yeah, not on a Sunday. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Andrew. And, uh, and then uh, what I love about this, he says, go into Galilee. You, you, you know, the female disciples, they're on their way. You know, they're freaking out. They're not sure. There's fear. There's joy. And then Jesus just can't help himself. And like mid-return, he shows up to the women. Says, greetings. Like he can't help himself. 
He's so excited. And they get to be the first ones. And they grab his feet and they worship him. They can't believe it. He's like, okay, 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 okay. Uh, go, keep going. Keep going to Galilee, like, like the angel said, and, and I'll, I'll do the meet up there with you guys there. So the women had all taken off. And sometime in the whole time frame of this, right, probably right when there was an earthquake, we're told, angels are showing up. They're like bright as the sun. And these soldiers hadn't seen anything like this. And, and so they're trying to figure out what to do, right? So we get this sense of panic, Everything that the Jewish leaders were worried about has happened. And so now we're in triage mode, and the soldiers are like, we got a problem. Uh, calling an emergency, hello, they're in the emergency room. we got a problem, code red. And so these, these guards, uh, you know, they're shaking with fear in this whole thing. In fact, the Greek tells us it's almost like a paralysis. That, you know, the earthquake happens, angels showing up, this big stone rolled away, you know, sometime early dawn, right, this happened. And the soldiers are freaking out so much that they're falling over like they're paralyzed. And I was trying to figure out, like, what, what, is this, what does this mean for, like, have you ever seen anybody, like, get paralysis? Anybody seen any of that? Maybe a few of you? I haven't. The only thing I could think of is when I was in choir back in the day, uh, they would tell us when we're standing on the risers, don't lock your knees. Because if you do, you might pass out. Not sure how that works. But people pass out. Have you ever seen anybody pass out? Like face forward. It's not pretty. I, I, I picture that. Or if this helps, fainting goats. <laughs> if you don't know what that is, you're welcome later. Look it up on Google. It'll make your day. These are goats that you scare them and they just fall over. Who's, who's seen them? You know what I'm talking about? Okay, ask a neighbor. They'll help you find it. Or if that isn't it, there's also mutton busting. Have you ever seen this before? Totally unrelated to the text. Mutton busting, look it up. I'm not going to tell you what it is. Think sheep rodeo. Okay. So these soldiers, they're fainting goats. And somehow, at some point, they wake up. I don't know when this is. I'm guessing they're all by them lonesome now. They're, they're kind of waking up like idiots outside of this empty tomb, this empty cave that now has a stone rolled away. They're looking at each other like, we're in trouble. You know, the women are all gone. So, emergency moment. We got we to gotta call an audible here. We got to go talk. Notice who they go to, though. Remember, Pilate was the one that allowed the regiment of soldiers to go guard this. Do they go to Pilate? Anybody? Were you catching the text? Did they go to Pilate? Ooh. Why? They failed at their duty. If you've been in the military, you fail at your duty. That's not, that's like a big thing. They failed at their duty. These are potentially hardened soldiers. Now, I know there's some debate among theologians that, uh, that maybe it was the temple guard, which would have been maybe Jewish folks, but it also might have been Roman mercenaries on like, you know, because sometimes uh, law enforcement now, they'll kind of work side gigs or like uh, do guard work or they'll, they'll be at a concert or whatever, right? Do security. So we're not really sure. But these guys that say they're Roman soldiers, they know that they failed in their duty. They're in trouble. They're in panic mode. So after they get through their fainting goat moment, they've got to go find the leaders and try to figure out what to do. Now, here's the question. Maybe it was the angels that freaked him out. But I kind of wonder, 
did they see a glimpse of Jesus walking out of that tomb? Someone that they'd just seen two days ago, dead as a doornail on a Roman cross. Now, I don't know. I don't know if that's true. It's speculation. But I kind of wonder, because there ain't no category for that. And these Roman soldiers, if they, again, if they were Roman, they'd seen thousands of crucifixions. You don't get up from that. I wonder if that was part of their, their paralysis, was seeing something they can't put in the category. Dead people don't rise from the dead, right? So they're in panic mode. They go to, not Pilate, they go to the, the, the leaders, the Jewish leaders, and uh, I like what one scholar, I'm going to read a little bit of this one scholar that said this about this moment. You see, Jesus' resurrection was already causing a stir in and around Galilee and Jerusalem. So the women, remember, they're going back, they're looking for the disciples. Hey, you know, have you seen Peter and John? Some of them were hiding out, you know, scared for their lives. They're looking for them, so the word is starting to get out. Something has happened at the tomb. And so things are starting to filter out, starting to go viral. And, uh, and these women were, were, were talking about this story, this amazing news, this Jesus of Nazareth, he's not in the tomb anymore, what happened? Things are, are starting to spread. And, um, and so these soldiers, avoiding Pilate, go to the religious leaders and say, what are we going to do? And uh, because, because under, under Roman law, again, a failure of duty like that, you forfeit your life. So they're figuring these Jewish leaders got to help them out. They go to these leaders, and of course, the worst thing that the, that the leaders thought would happen has happened. That, in fact, the body was gone. Remember, you know, no, no, no tomb, no crime issue. They're worried. They're worried about what's going to happen. So they're trying to concoct this story. And, uh, you know, yeah, if a Roman soldier falls asleep, I mean, the whole... The, the whole excuse about the disciples stealing the body at night and the soldier saying, yeah, we fell asleep. There's so many holes in that story. Like when that got back to Pilate, Pilate's going to be like, what? You, you fell asleep. I'm pretty sure they had like watches of the night. You know, someone, hey, you take the, you know, the two to seven shift. Hey, you take the, you know what I mean? They, they probably would have split it up. So the whole, the, the whole story doesn't even, there's too many holes in it. I'm not sure what Pilate originally might have thought of that when it got back to him. Um, but uh, So they tell the story, and they take a bribe, of course, follow the money. They take the money, and they feel like, hey, uh, this seems like a, enough story that they'll get us out of dying, right? Serves two purposes. Gets us out of dying and gives the Jewish leadership something to say. Because no body, no foul, no crime. They can't produce a body, so they can't, they're, they're kind of stuck satisfies everyone, so to speak. Even a, a story like that with so many, so many holes in it. So they, they circulate the story, which is basically the story of a lie. But again, it sounds plausible, right? Here's a, you know, we got this, two, two stories here, right? Where you got the plausible lie, because that sounds sort of reasonable-ish. And then you have the impossible truth. Two competing stories, right? This is the tension that we're, we're in as we read the text. Two different stories. One required a bribe. And everybody's on the hush-hush. This is the plan. This will work. And, and it's interesting that history tells us something else. 
And this is something that recently came out in, in doing, I guess, archaeological work where they're digging things up and they're finding inscriptions. They're able to go back to first century artifacts and things like that. Check this out. So likely this whole story of this disturbed tomb caused problems in the Roman Empire. So much so, check this out, that it led to an emperor's edict. An emperor, we're talking head of Rome, who made an edict, a law. And it was, um, there's a, a, a bit that they dug up called the Nazareth Inscription. You can look this up, the Nazareth Inscription. And it states, and this is dated about 41 to 54 AD. Think about the time frame of that. When, when did Jesus die? Around 30, 30, 32 AD, somewhere in there. So within 10 years or less, an emperor had to make an edict that said, no one can remove a body from a tomb without threat of death. Now that could be a coincidence. But if the time frame is right on that inscription, we're talking Paul's making missionary journeys already. He's going through the entire Roman Empire. This thing has already gone viral. It's all over the world. And historians would say these Christian folks believe in this God that rises from the dead. They're already historians talking about this. His tomb was empty. So much so that it, it popped up on the radar of a Roman emperor who had to squelch that. You find that interesting? Again, I don't know all the ins and outs of that, but I find that pretty astonishing. And we have historical record of this story being passed among the Jewish leadership into the second century. In fact, we don't know when Matthew, we, we have some ideas of when Matthew finished his account of the gospel that we've been reading through, but, but say that was toward the middle or end of the first century, the Jews are still talking about the story. of Yeah, they stole the body. Again, a story that's a lie, but it sounds sort of probable. Instead of the story that was the truth that contains the impossible. Which story will you live by? Which story will you base your life on? It's interesting that Matthew is the only gospel writer that shows this interaction between the Jewish leadership and these guards. And that, that makes sense. I mean, Matthew's writing from more of a Jewish perspective, a Hebrew perspective. He's probably Jewish. And so it would make sense he understands the council and how all that works. And he might have gotten wind. Maybe he had friends that were part of the Jewish leadership and heard this whole thing. Right? He's the only one that, to mention this. And I wonder, too, this is just the weird world of my brain. Two things. First one was, did they see Jesus, right, come out of that tomb and freak him out? So they all fell over like fainting goats. That was my first question. Second one is, do you think they kept this quiet all their life? These, these soldiers, these guards. Sure, in like public, but in private? Can you imagine that conversation? Describing what they saw? Did they keep it quiet all their lives? I don't know. I, I speculate that we might have even seen a few of these guards find their way into the early church. Because when they started hearing this circulate, they might have been going, you know what? I, I was there. Just 
I can't prove that. I'm just speculating. Wouldn't that be kind of cool? When we go to new heavens and new earth, wouldn't that be cool to talk to some of these guards? That down the road said, yeah, I was in, a, I was in some Greek town drinking it up with my, my buddies in the military. Maybe I was in Philippi because I just retired from the military. And I heard about this Jesus of Nazareth that they claim was, was coming out of a tomb in Nazareth. And I was there. Can you imagine? Is it just me or does that chills on the back of your... Yeah? Whoa. I don't think they kept the story totally quiet. We have two stories to deal with. We have the story that says, this is as good as it gets. Take what you can. Survival of the fittest. Only the strong survive. Get all you can before you die. That's the first story. You know that story says the dead people don't rise from the dead. The impossible can't happen. That's the first story, right? That's the story of the guards and the Jewish leadership. This is all it is, folks. You live and die, take what you can, have as much fun as you can, then you're done. That sounds sad to me. But there's another story. There's a story that says, with God, all things are possible. There's another story we can live by that's not as good as it gets. It's, uh, I'm not saying that there's not beautiful things in this world. There's not wonderful things, love and joy. Those are things there, but those are heavenly things by the stamp of God on us as humans. There are beautiful things here, but there's a new heavens and new earth. And there's a now and not yet reality, eternity, hope, where there'll be no more tears, no more diseases, where our bodies will function right. Right? That's a different story. See, that's a story of hope, that God can do the impossible. So do we accept the ordinary story, or do we accept the extraordinary story? Which story do you want to live by? I, for one, want to live by the extraordinary story. That God ain't done with us yet. That God is still on the move doing great things. He's still making beautiful things, even out of ashes. Out of the worst situations, God is still doing stuff. He's still doing creation. What story do you want to live by? The story that says, this is as good as it gets, or the story that says, you know, even dead things can become alive again. That's the story that I want to live with. See, the story of God is that, and you can check me on this, Psalm 139, right? God saw you before you were ever born. God saw you when you were being knit together in your mom's womb. And you know what? He loved you. Before your high school days, he loved you. Before your college crazy days, he loved you. He loves you still after last night. That's a story to live by.
a God who loves us so fiercely that he would pull out all the stops. He would let nothing get in the way of his love for us. That's the story I want to live. What story do you want to live? And he's not done with us. Whether you're old or young, this is good news. This is good news. I want to live the greater story. And I think that Jesus would want you to live that full life. In fact, he even said that, right? I came. Not that you would have a mediocre life, fog a mirror, have a few fun times, and then die. He didn't say it that way, did he? I have come that you would have life, life abundant, the best of life. That's the story I want to live. Who wants to live that story with me? Huh? That's a story, a greater story, a story greater than this is all it is. We, let, we talked about last week, living out resurrection, that when we live out resurrection, we're telling a new story, a story that means that the, the impossible is no longer impossible. God makes everything possible. And so we get a chance between those two competing stories to choose which one. When I was in high school, actually before that, this was a long time ago, they had these books called Choose Your Own Adventure Books. Anybody ever heard of these? Come on. Where, you know, you get to a certain point in the story and it says, well, if you want, it to, you want this situation scenario, go to this page. And so you could, you could read the same story, but it'd have different endings because you'd have different places, right? Well, this is a choose your own adventure moment for us. Which story do you choose? A, a story that says, ah, the impossible, God's got it all. He can do the impossible. Or a story that just says, this is it. Which story will you tell? I want you and I to commit today to live and tell a greater story. Live and tell a greater story. This is not it. There's a God who loves you more than you could possibly imagine. And he's got a hope and a future for you. <clears throat> new heavens and new earth. Live and tell a greater story. Nothing is impossible anymore. In this series, Commissioned, we wanted to end this whole Matthew series with some action items that we, became, we become God's hands and feet in the world. We're his ambassadors. We're, we're his agents in the world, in our neighborhoods, in our families. We wanted to end Matthew, which has been a great journey, by the way. We end this with a mission. We are all commissioned to live on a mission. That includes what we said last week, live out resurrection. That's the new way to be human, right? To, to pursue love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, to be generous, to put others' needs above our own. That's, that's a resurrection life. And then today is to tell a greater story, right? That nothing will be impossible ever anymore. And beyond that is to be a blessing to the world, that we would be a blessing to everyone we meet. We are blessed to be blessed. And I want that to be our mission, our co-mission, as we get into the Christmas season. Look, folks, we're invited to live a story with limitless possibilities, whether you're young or old. God is not done with you. He's not done with me. Let's lean in to be the people that tell a greater story. A greater story, powered by Jesus to live a new way to be human. We're living out resurrection. We're telling a greater story, and we're going to be a blessing to the world. That really is a great Christmas idea, and we're commissioned to do that. Not just in this season, but in all seasons. Until Jesus comes back, which would be cool, until then, that's the kind of people we're to be. Would you pray with me? Father, you're good and powerful. You're mighty. You called us to mission, which is so awesome. And Father, you loved each of us 
before we were ever born. In fact, you love us even in our worst mistake. By the, by the power of your son Jesus, his life and his, his death, his burial and resurrection, we have new hope, a birth into a living hope and a future. Father, help us to be people of resurrection, to tell a greater story and to be a blessing to the world. And may we do that even this week as we leave this place. In Jesus' name, amen.